the Talent Experience Podcast featuring authentic conversations on the future of work. Empowering you to better understand and deliver a best-in-class, future-proofed career experience. For more insightful conversations, visit talentexperiencepodcast.com. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to another episode of the Talent Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Rhonda Taylor, and today my guest is Katrina Gibbon, who almost 12 years ago, I can't believe it, uh, founded Three Ears Media. Katrina is known globally for writing job postings. She is very well respected in keeping diversity and inclusion top of mind when creating her job postings. Katrina is also on the global speaking circuit And she just shared with me earlier this week that she is discovering a new level of normalcy. Katrina, there is so much more about you. Please share with the audience um, what's uh, demanding of your time these days. Yeah, so, well, thank you for having me. I think the world is definitely a little different today than it's ever been when you and I have met up. So it's always good to catch up in the world. And uh, I think... What probably makes me special, the thing that most people know me for is the fact that I'm one of the only people in this industry that focuses on writing for recruiting because I've been in this industry long enough to know that hiring is always hard, right? That's the one thing we all have in common. It's the only universal truth. However, the reason it's hard is a little different for everyone. And I believe that the only variable you can actually control is how you communicate with people, how you talk to them. And job postings are... 90% of my time, they're 90% of the topics that I talk about because they're the beginning of this conversation about work. Yeah, and I I love um, the kudos that you give to Mary Ellen Slater Um, because when you were a young, energetic, and you still are young and you still are energetic, um, you know, owner of a media firm, she gave you some words of wisdom and what were they? Yeah. I don't know if she'll remember this, but I hope she listens because some advice she gave me really early on was that there, you know, focus on one thing, be the best at one thing, Katrina, stop trying to be everything to everyone. And at first I completely ignored her advice and I pretended that I was smarter. And then (laughs) I figured out pretty quickly that she was brilliant in that. Um, And as we narrowed down the idea of what, recruiter communication can be because there are a million elements and figuring out that the job posting was the one that everyone had in common. It's the currency of recruiting and no one was ever taught how to do it. I, and so I definitely owe her a drink and probably a very, very nice dinner for that piece of advice. (laughs) I guess so. Yeah. Um, and, um, and, you know, I also owe you something because years, two years ago when I wrote my book, you and your partner were so supportive in, um, in, in, in me self-publishing my book. And, and I want to say thank you because I never formally had that, have had that chance. But before we jump into our, our podcast, why don't you share with the audience and a change that we've seen in the past year in the new classification of LGBTQ plus. And I'm not sure when the plus arrived, um, but everybody's now adapting to it. But please share with, share with us, what does the plus mean? 
Yeah, you know, and I'll share a personal story because I think the plus means a lot of things to a lot of people. That's why it exists. It's it's almost an umbrella that says all are welcome here. And as someone who has moved through the letters, so to speak, right? So at one point I identified as female and a lesbian. Now I identify as non-binary and a lesbian, right? And there are so many layers to who we are and how we see ourselves. And I think the plus allows for people to know that there's more than we know today. If 10 years ago, I sat you down and explained the the spectrums and the understandings that we have today of gender, people would be like, no. (laughs) And, And that motion, that movement, I think the plus allows space for the change. Exactly. And, and it just leaves, leaves the gate open. So there's no more surprises. I, you know, I want to give almost like a little less of a surprise, but more of a, you can look in the mirror and you can be anything and you can be included. We haven't made space like that before in this, in this culture, in our society, we have not made space for anyone to be included. Even in the queer community years ago, the T part of LGBT was not a thing, right? Exactly. And so there's a lot of layers here and it is about evolution. Oh, and as you know, I, I come from a sport that was traditionally not a woman's sport and you know, I am, am very active now in doing podcasts. Uh, and, and we at that time called these individuals butches. Yep. Um, but these queers, as we have identified them today, they were trailblazers in the women's sports movement because they were not, they were the ones not afraid to step outside of their comfort zone. I think as someone who looks like the people we might have called butchers at some point, I know the feeling of a craving, a want to crack the door a little bit for the person behind you. I think back to my 16 year old self and how they would lose their minds to look at me. Right. They would lose their mind to think of a world in which I exist without all that curly hair and the girly clothes and trying to like force myself into pink T-shirts and skirts and and to allow them to say, you just do whatever you want now. I mean, can you I that's something that we we don't think about enough. But as we succeed, right, as people like me become CEOs, as we become keynote speakers, as we stand in front of thousands of people and say we are successful and we create impact in this world, that door opens for someone else who looks just like us to say, I believe in who I am and I can be anything and be successful because that was not the equation that we were given in the early 2000s when I was coming out. Oh, exactly. And, and following up, you know, we try to provide an opportunity for these individuals to fit in through a lens of equality. You know, Katrina, how do we create space for these individuals in today's workforce? Yeah, you know, I think the first stage is to actually admit that we all have a little bias, right? And that moving towards a better place is not about knowing what it means to be gay, 
Like, I truly believe in the early 90s there was this, like, fascination of, like, what is gay life really like? And now we all live like normal people living next door. Our neighbors are gay or whoever's are gay, right? There's, there's a lot of people in your life. And so I think the first piece is to say that, yeah, we probably hold some bias in the background. There's something there. And our understanding what changes things is realizing our ability to help other people feel safe not to understand what it means to be gay <laughs> right that actually doesn't help other people be safer it's knowing what it feels like to be safe I, and i would love if every person listening to this right now right let's think of one person who made you feel safe in your life like deeply safe for me it was my grandfather and i want you to think about what they did to make you feel safe and to listen and to think about the future of work and making your work more equitable from the lens of paying it forward, of paying for the safety and kindness that that person paid into your life, to know that you get to pay that forward and that any, any recommendation I'm about to make to you, any workshop you go through, anything you learn is about paying forward the love that is based in safety and kindness. Amazing. And it, and it just sounds so, so, so simple and so natural. And yet people make it such a huge mountain some days. Yes. Yeah. Well, working on, on your job postings, how do you make a point to eliminate all the biases, which we were speaking about earlier, in order to create a clarity in the opportunity? You know, I actually went backwards to go forwards on this one. And I did a 100 year research study on job postings to look at how they changed over the last century. Because culturally, you might look around and say, oh, look how different, you know, the biases have changed. We're not as biased as we were 100 years ago. Clearly, so much should have changed. And the premise in the market to date is that the bias simply in exists in the linguistics i.e the words we use these are the boy words and the girl words and oh look you made a boy post and now you made a girl post and as someone who identifies as non-binary i have a fundamental issue with this right you literally just tried to binary to remove bias when we know that binaries don't exist okay we know that binaries are exclusive hmm now what so i did this research study and i went back to look at the techniques that we've been using for the last 100 years, not just the words to understand the biases. Uh, so for example, college education does not appear on job postings until college education became equally accessible by all people in the United States of all colors. Why do you think that is? So for example, one of the biases that I teach people how to remove is college degrees. Of course, I want my doctor, my accountant, my lawyer. Get your degrees, y'all. Go, go to school, get me a nice pedigree, stamp that thing twice. Now, everyone else, I'm gonna second guess this because if I have a VP of marketing who doesn't have a degree 14 years into their career, uh, we both know, Rhonda, that marketing was a little different 14 years ago than it is today. And I wouldn't be betting on somebody with a college degree where they learned the three P's of marketing to run my v to run my VP role and to base all of my lead generation off of. 
Oh, exactly. Exactly. You know, and like our multimillionaires of today, you know, how many of them have university degrees? So we, we pigeonhole um, job descriptions when we put a requirement of a degree. And, and we remove people's dream. That's the other piece of it. And what you asked me is this idea of like removing the bias to provide access. I've showed you one element of providing access, which is to actually see people that look like you, but you can't do that in a job posting. What you need to do in a job posting to create clarity is to help people imagine the work. They should be able to read a job posting, close their eyes and picture it. They can picture the office. They can picture the people they work with. They can tell you what they do every day the second they sit down in their chair. And if you do not have that level of clarity, and I'm not talking industry level clarity as in someone who does this job at a parallel role can understand this. I mean, anyone, my test of clarity is I could walk out to any single person I see outside right now, hand this to them and they go, oh no, I don't wanna do that. <laughs> but they can tell me what they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm just going to deviate a little bit and to one bias, which is very close to my heart. Um, and we know several people caught in this, these biases right now. And, and it really doesn't fit into gender gap or um, it's, it's just pure and simple ageism. People making decisions on one's capability based on age. And it's probably one of the greatest uh, pre-existing biases in today's talent marketplace. How do you go about qualifying, quantifying expertise while being politically correct when yeah. addressing ageism? So ageism is one of the techniques that we were able to pull out of that 100-year research study because I figured out really quickly that years of experience quantifies time. It literally tells you how long someone has done this thing, but it qualifies no one because we don't have parallel experiences. Even if you and I went and had the exact same job for the exact same period of time, I can bet money. I would bet any amount of money that you and I do not do the exact same work. We don't really hire people to do the exact same thing as the person next to us. And we surely do not have those parallels across different organizations. The example that I really love to give people is, you know, Jeff Bezos, the CEO of Amazon and I have both been CEOs for, you know, five plus years. Okay. We both run executive teams. We both manage, we both created new industry sectors. Why wouldn't you put Jeff Bezos and I up on the same slate for an executive role? Because the time does not align with the experiences we have had. And that's one of the easiest ways to remove this age bias is because when you ask for years of experience, you're saying, I want someone this much older or this much younger. And it doesn't actually mean anything. That's right. And, and um, there's also an element of culture, um, of, of, of of somebody, and just not of ageism, but but also, uh, you know, uh, 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 being gay or being queer, of uh, that culture fitting into your organization. Yeah. Um, you know, how do people handle that? 
wish I knew. Every time someone says culture fit to me, I swear I can feel the gray hairs just start to sprout <laughs> out of the back of my head because some part of my heart hurts because at one point, none of us fit into any culture, right? That's right. I mean, at one point, women didn't fit into the culture. At one point, women didn't fit into the sports culture. Hell, they still don't fit into certain cultures, right? Gay people don't fit into cultures. There are men that don't fit into certain cultures. Every The only guarantee in our life is that every single person will experience bias. And so how dare you perpetuate that? If you age, you will experience bias. Do something now. Yeah. Yeah, but, but even taking it some a, a step further, you know, like how do we facilitate a pool of a pool of employees so that these individuals who are experiencing these biases, how do we make them feel that they belong? Yeah, you know. I can't speak to what happens after the hire, but here's the part that I am the expert in. It's how we ask, right? And so truly, I do believe that belonging starts at the very first ask. It belongs in the job posting. Because if you're using bias from day one, that is a reflection of culture that is deep, bias that is deep inside your company. That's on you, right? And so I think the the way that we change our culture and the way that we start to create that pipeline of people from every background is that first we change how we ask. Stop using the years of experience. Use the augmented writing tools to understand the gender bias that exists. Remove those details that are stopping talented and qualified people from applying to your job. That college degree that really only reflects privilege and not actual ability. I can go on and on, but I think if we start to make change these seeds at the get-go, that's how we change the actual culture and change the pipeline. Yeah. And you know, to change, to change it, Katrina, um, I think we all need to take the blinders off and start taking a look at our own, um, you know, um, biases you know we do not wreck it we do not even know the biases that we have and is that you know where does that education begin is it in our school systems or, or is it in an onboarding program um as a society we're lacking in it yeah you know, I actually think that's the incredible opportunity. And as someone who owns a business, I feel very passionately about this, about the idea that we have the opportunity to influence our communities. That if we provide training and education to our employees, that we, that actually ripples into a more safe and better community where everyone can thrive. And that that starts to reflect, because if we wanna be truly competitive, we have to be competitive on acceptance now. If we set the bar at acceptance, if we set the bar at belonging, the, our competitors have to step up too. And so as a organization leader, as an educator, I think talent teams need to step up and understand your role as educators, not just of people, not just of process, but actually of people who are creating movements and changing communities. Yeah, yeah. Finally, you know, at the talent experience, we 
so believe that um, everyone should be passionate about their career. And Katrina, you just, you just beam enthusiasm. And someone who's obviously on top of her A game, please share with all of us, how do you keep that, that positive energy flowing? We are purveyors of optimism. People who work in talent, we have the opportunity to be purveyors of optimism, to create optimism and hope in other people's lives. I believe that every single day when I sit down and write a job posting, I'm changing the life of someone who I'll never meet. And as talent leaders, as people who create roles, as people who create companies, as, as organizational thinkers, we have the opportunity to create opportunities that it will expand people's vision and optimism for their own life. And if that doesn't motivate you, you're in the wrong industry. Exactly. And that's, that's exactly why I am where I am today, because I can make a difference in a person's life working for, with the company that I work with. That's why we're talking after all these years, Rhonda. I, that's why we're, we're kindred spirits. Exactly. Katrina Kibben from Three Years Media. I can't thank you enough for, for, for being a guest today. Thank you for having me. Okay. And opening our eyes to the LGBT plus community and our own personal biases. This is Rhonda Taylor. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Talent Experience Podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Talent Experience Podcast. For more talent experience and future of work conversations, visit talentexperiencepodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at TalentXPodcast. Or join the conversation with hashtag Talent Experience Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or Twitter. The Talent Experience Podcast was brought to you by the fabulous Fuelies at Fuel 50.